The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Let's see if this door opens. Only partially. I think I'm in the right place. Maybe I should check the GPS on my phone. In at least two meters, turn and continue to Bethany, or Fenland Falls, or Norland, or Omimi, or Kobe, or Oakwood. Well, that was no help. Though, points for saying Kobe. Thanks, GPS woman. You're welcome, Denny. Maybe this door will open. (laughs) Boy, that's heavy. Try one last one. What's the deal? They're only partially opening up, but... Well, even though it's not completely open yet, you can still enter cautiously... And on the other side of that door, you'll see it in abundance. You just have to be patient. It's there. Hope. This is the Advocate Podcast. Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Hope, promise, or too soon? If that last one is how you took the news of our area's phase two opening, well, you're not alone. But neighbors, we're in it. We just have to continue to be vigilant. And if you don't believe that man getting that haircut or that family on that restaurant patio are from round here, still be kind. I'm trying to be a door is half open, not half closed kind of fella. Today on the program, we talked to a restaurateur about the challenges she's faced and met during all of this. We meet a couple who recently vowed, hey, let's get married anyway. We'll just adjust. Associate editor of our parent magazine will tell us about a story she's currently working on, which involves a Kawartha Lakes road trip, and she's bringing me food to describe it. Despite the cautious reopening, school buildings remain closed. We'll hear from three area students about what home learning was like. Some music from my new favorite indie folk musician, Cameron's Cassie Noble, too. I'm your host, Denny Gringo. Settle in. We got lots of show for you. I'm not white, and because Kortha Lakes is populated by mostly Caucasians, I've had a hard time relating to anyone in my area. This has caused multiple identity crises in my life. I have attended three different public schools, mostly because of bullying, which didn't stop when I moved to school. That was Selena Reevy addressing a crowd of about 200 people last week in front of Kawartha Lakes Police Service. The 17-year-old I.E. Weldon graduating student was one of the organizers of a Black Lives Matter march and peaceful protest in the wake of George Floyd's death in Minnesota at the hands of local police. Selena joins me on the line now. Hey, thanks for taking the time for us, Selena. Thank you for having me on. Now that you've had some time to process that day, how do you feel about the impact it's it's having here now? I didn't know what the turnout would be and how much work I'd have to do, but such a great, great number and such an impact. It's just so, it's so satisfying and just so amazing to see. Are the numbers that showed up, did that, uh, did that surprise you? Uh, yeah, it, def- it definitely did because, you know, Lindsay is such a small town that is predominantly Caucasian, so I didn't know how many people we're going to come out it's hard to kind of get across the black lives matter movement to people who don't experience that every day but as the protests got more and more traction um 
I had so many people reaching out to me for other options on how to come out and support us. And so the numbers were just like it was amazing. It was like two times more than what I was expecting. You know, I grew up like, you know, pretty much like my entire high school career with um, people like just not understanding the Black Lives Matter movement. And as much as I tried to put it out there when racist situations came up, it's almost like people didn't want to listen or they kind of turned away. And so I wasn't used to having people come to me and asking me for help and education. So when this started blowing up and, you know, like my DMs and my messages were just full of people wanting to come out, donate and help, it, it's almost like, you know, like, 12 year old me that was so self-conscious about speaking out about her skin color and trying to make things right was just so so happy and so satisfied that now people were almost like waking up well let me ask 17 year old you now <laughs> how, how do you react when people say yeah we know there's racism here but come on this isn't the united states this is canada it's core the lakes we're pretty good what do you tell those people well, I remind them that Canada still has deep-seated racism issues, you know, with residential schools. And then um, in, like, 1911, they didn't let black immigrants into the country, and nobody knew about it. You know, you compare Canada to the States, and you look and you see the blatant racism that happens in the States, too, and you think, oh, Canada is, like, so much better, when really it's not. Canada's just, like in every aspect, in my personal opinion, comparing Canada to the States, you know, Canada will always be like the, the quieter country. And so people try and push the racist issues we had in Canada under like that quiet rug, but it's there. You said yourself, Selena, that this this area is, is pretty homogenous. So what was it like for you to hear or to, to witness people, as you described it, just pushing those issues under the rug and pretending they didn't exist? Well, it, it hurts so much because growing up, you know, like my mom and my mom's side of the family, like they were always, they always told me, be proud of your skin color and be proud of where you're from and be proud of your history. So for someone to take the issues that come with like my DNA and just shove them under a rug, it, it was like, it was like dehumanizing. It was demoralizing. Like it, it made me like want to hide and run away from all of these issues. But you know, I've taken that now um, as I've gained confidence throughout high school, I've taken that and I've used it as fuel. And I've taken that hate to kind of push and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to let people shove this stuff under the carpet, not only for me and for my mental health, but for others that live in the community and for small girls and boys that look like me. I don't want to, them to go through the these emotions that I'm having right now. Um, so, you know, I take those comments now and I say, okay, this is this is how you feel. This is how I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to take those issues out and I'm going to shove them back in your face. I'm going to make you uncomfortable because now that you see how uncomfortable they are for you, look at how uncomfortable they are for us. And it's time for us to change that. There's always this passion and, and maybe even excitement when people are in the moment, Selena, of a protest or a march. What's the challenge in keeping that passion for justice and acceptance going long after the marches and the protests they're over? How do you keep it rolling? I find that it's more like reminding people of how proud you are and like what you did on that day. So like 
taking a look back on Sunday and being like, look at how proud we were, look at how we stood as a community. So let's take that feeling and let's push it into different areas. Um, my group of protest leaders and I, we have been invited to go down to the Quartz Lakes Police Station um, and have a conversation with them exactly on how to keep the movement going and how to push that change. It's just like taking, like keeping up with announcements, telling people like, okay, this is what we're gonna do next and this is where we need your help next and directing people to all the right places. Well, you've got your work cut out for you and, uh, and you're meeting the challenge. <laughs> Thank you so much, Selena. Thank you. Okay, okay, students of this virtual podcast classroom, settle down. We've got three area high school students who are going to share their thoughts on what it's been like to attend school. Yes, I'm using bunny ear quotation marks there. These past few months without actually, you know, being inside their school. First up, Marissa Sproxton, a grade 12 student from LCVI. At first, it was kind of weird because I like to hear like my teachers tell me like the lesson instead of like learning it myself. So at first it was really annoying because I wasn't really like getting what they were talking about. Like just like in a document that we had to read instead of listening to our teachers. My teacher makes it really interesting so we remember what he's talking about. But when it's just in a document, I just didn't remember any of it and didn't really understand what he was actually referring to. He's basically on email every second of every day, basically. And then once a week, we have um, class online on Google Meets. It was different, but it, I did find it helpful, though. Having my homework in one tab, trying to do it, while also having my like games open in another tab and then like Netflix open in a tab so sometimes it was very difficult to actually get that work done yeah I can imagine how much is the the whole social interaction of school like hanging out with your classmates how big a part is that of school it's a huge part like, my favorite classes were always the classes that I had with my friends and people I could talk to. Um, whereas, I really didn't enjoy classes as much if I didn't have someone to talk to and even to, like, for group projects. For graduation, I guess what we're going to do is we're going to have, like, an online graduation in June and then have actual gra graduation in the fall. So, I guess... You could say we're not entirely missing out on graduation, but yeah, our prom was canceled. <laughs> kind of annoying because I had already had my outfit and I was kind of planning on having a fun night with my classmates and then got canceled. You are listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, and this is episode nine. And thanks to our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers, you can hear all our previous episodes for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at lindsayadvocate.ca. Jason and Chris Ward and their team offer a wide range of legal services, 
Learn more at wardlegal.ca. Now, here's a story many of us have heard lately. So-and-so had to postpone their wedding because of, well, you know. But not everyone canceled. Some couples simply adjusted their wedding plans to suit the new rules. And in some cases, even got super creative. Kristen Rada and Nathan Omerdeen recently exchanged vows in a Lindsay church. They're currently living with Kristen's family near Little Britain before Nathan, who's with the Canadian Armed Forces, gets his posting. Now, we'll get to the uniqueness of their wedding. But first, Kristen explains what the wedding plans had been. Well, the original date was June 13th, and it was going to be a rather large um, ceremony and reception um, with um, close to 300 people. Take me to that moment when the penny dropped and you went, I don't think this is going to happen. It took me especially, I think, a long time to finally accept the reality and face it. I definitely... Um, put off dealing with it for a while. It sucks because it's the last thing you plan for, right? We kind of got information, like uh, warnings about it, like through the military. Um, so, like, I realized like there was something going on at that level. So I was like, okay, well, this is pretty serious. Uh, pretty, something that we need to actually really watch. Uh, it'd be better to act early in either way and probably play it safe. Yeah, that's um, a mil- that's a military person talking right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a big stressor trying to postpone the whole wedding. Yeah. She needed to <laughs> take it a little like slow. It. Didn't want to talk about it because I was upset. And he respected that and let me come to terms with it on my own. Because originally we were just saying that, well, we still want to get married. And um, we'll just go to like um, a town hall or whatever and just do like a really quick thing there. And that was really all we were kind of planning. And then my dad, he was, since he works at the church, uh, he was like, well, why don't you just get married at the church? He's like, I can ask if that's okay, if, if we can do that. Um, a lot of people might have been in this situation, and I'm sure a lot of people have been in this situation and thought, you know what, let's just postpone it for a year or however long it takes, because if we can't have it the way we intended, we're not going to bother. So yeah. why did you decide that, no, you know, we're just going to do it differently? It was um, just mostly part of us wanting to get married, regardless of how. Really special because we had got to have like a really nice, intimate one where it was just the two of us. Like, yeah, it was live streamed, but like it was still just the two of us and our officiant and my dad and Erwin, who was on the organ. And it was just really nice and intimate. And we got to have our uh, flavor there of um, medieval theme with our LARP clothes because we were both LARPers and that's how we met. Okay, you have to explain um, what LARPing, LARPing is. Yeah. I sort of have an idea, but g- g- tell me what the acronym stands for. <laughs> that is a live action role play. Um, and the one that we do is called Amped Guard. And it's... Um, Make a character and you um, uh, act out that character in, in different situations like that. A fantasy and medieval theme, so everyone who dresses up because uh, it's still like a role-playing game, um, so you can still make your own character and um, and you make garb to fit your character and stuff. So we both have our own garb, and that was really one of the interesting things because we were like, well, okay, so we're gonna have this wedding at the church, and um, we don't really have anything to wear because my dress still needs to be altered, which is one of the things I wasn't able to do because of quarantine. Mm-hmm. And um, Nathan doesn't have any suits at my mom and dad's. So we're like, what are we going to wear? And then we're like, well, we've got our LARP clothes. And we're like, why don't we just do that? 
and uh, we always had our friends and even family who would joke around and be like, are you going to have a LARP wedding? And we're like, no, 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 we're not going to have a LARP wedding. And now we can turn around and say, yeah, I guess we had our LARP wedding after all. It almost seemed like the perfect opportunity to have a LARP wedding. I mean, everything was so, un- the times are so unconventional that this just seemed like, well, yeah, wouldn't that fit? Yeah, exactly. So it really, it was, I think why it became so exciting was it, just everything was falling into place and everything was like, it almost like this was how it was meant to be in a way. And Paul, our officiant was amazing. And he looked up all the uh, like Celtic yeah, ceremonies Celtic and unions so. and stuff. So he, he got a Celtic inspired um, service for us, which was perfect. And yeah, it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. I, I don't think I would change it at all. For me, some of my family was uh, a little upset that they weren't involved in the wedding. Like the the planning because it happened so yeah. fast. So that having that opportunity to live stream it allowed people to like you know so sit in and watch it and yeah. Um, and as we posted like like kind of just posted on our Facebooks like hey guys we're doing this you know tomorrow <laughs> yeah uh, end, watch this and then we had a lot more people say they were gonna watch than we thought yeah than we ever expected. How do you think you look back on the whole experience four five ten years from now? <laughs> it will definitely be um, a positive thing. It's been such a weird thing, and this is at least something positive we can look back on and kind of laugh at and be like, "Well, these are crazy times, and I can't wait to tell our children about it and and like future friends about like, oh yeah, we got married during quarantine." That's really how I see it being in years to come. A lovely story too, I think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My thanks to Kristen and Nathan Omerdine, newly married and longtime LARPers. They're planning a second wedding-related event for family and friends where guests can be closer than two meters. Cassie Noble is an indie folk pop singer-songwriter who penned this a few years back. And when I heard this song, I, I loved it. I played it over and over. And I also thought it was a nice ode to Kristen and Nathan. This is Build a Home by Cameron's own Cassie Noble. Fire still burning on the coals inside. Gotta keep it going to make it through the night. We'll boil water when the morning's here. Cause we need our coffee You need coffee, dear And we will keep each other warm As long as the world is cold Breathe on crumpled fingers Till they're warm enough to hold we could build a home here If we only stay Gotta keep it going To make it through the days We can build a shelter We can forage food We just need to
That is a song, a great song, called Build a Home by Cassie Noble. My conversation with Cassie, not far from her hometown of Cameron, will be featured in an upcoming episode of the Advocate podcast. But until then, you can find her music to purchase on digital download, CD, and get this, even on vinyl. How cool is that on vinyl? By going to CassieNoble.com. In our last episode, you'll remember my conversation with Bob Cajun hairstylist Kim Murphy. She, like all her industry colleagues, told us what not doing hair was like these past few months. Well, Kim is now back in her shop, in style salon, since those restrictions were eased. I spoke to her at the end of her new day one. The phone did not stop ringing. I'd be on the phone, I'd hang up, and it would just start ringing again. I think all three of us are now booked into July. It was a little weird today because we had to make sure people didn't come in before we told them to. And just, it wasn't go, go, go all day because we had to space it out. And sometimes we give ourselves too much time. Is it what you expected? Um, I think it's actually going to be better than what I expected. How come? I just expected it to be a little more stressful. People actually weren't as upset about how long they'd have to wait for a haircut than I thought they would be. Really? So they're they're just happy to not be waiting months anymore, I guess. Yeah. They, the, well, the wait now is probably going on three weeks. They're shocked. They're a little shocked, but they're not like up in arms that they have to wait that long. How close to normal uh, does your life feel right now? Um, pretty, well, it was pretty back to normal because I was up to, up to go to work at a normal time today and I was home a little bit early, but it feels a little more normal. Not quite there yet, but... But getting there. Yeah. My name is Carissa Ward from Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. (laughs) Okay, class, virtual class that is. Grab your imaginary seats, or maybe they're real, Please direct your attention to Alicia Byrne. Alicia is a grade 10 student at St. Thomas Aquinas Secondary School. Now, if you're feeling a bit frustrated with this school-at-home scenario, that's understandable. Alicia, however, learned to embrace its positive points. For me personally, it was a big learning experience because it gave me the opportunity to learn independently and manage my time wisely. You know, I, I never had something like that happen to me before, so I had to learn how to be like, okay, well, now I have to work on this set of homework rather than go to school and, you know, maybe have a teacher remind me. I wake up early in the morning because I feel that waking up early kind of gives you a sense of accomplishment, you know? You're, you're feeling ready to take on the day. And I found that putting forth a routine for myself to follow, kind of like a to-do list, was very beneficial in making sure that I completed any assignments or tasks that were given to me from my teachers. Time management was definitely one of the biggest challenges I faced when starting online learning. Because, you know, you're in your home. It's kind of, it's like, oh, I could go watch TV. But you have to remind yourself that, no, I have an English assignment, let's just say, due tomorrow. It gave me a lot of, um, um, like, flexibility, you know, because I had the ability to say, okay, well, maybe today I'm going to do this. And tomorrow I want to take time for myself. The biggest thing for me was just missing the overall environment. You know, online schooling has resulted in a large gap in that face-to-face interaction along with being able to interact with peers. I'm certainly very thankful that my teachers keep in touch with me and my peers regularly to ensure that some of that social interaction is still there. 
it's hard. It's, it's definitely more distant because, you know, you don't get to come sit beside them in a classroom every day. But, you know, it, luckily we do live in an age where social media is very huge. And that definitely gives a big opportunity to, you know, I can send my friend a quick text or a call asking, hey, like, how's this going for you? In fact, I definitely have more time to do that now because online learning, you know, it's kind of like whatever you want to do. I've definitely had a lot of family time, which I have greatly enjoyed, and a lot of life skills. You know, I get to go to work with my dad now and learn a different outlook on life. What does your dad do? He is a course welder. Like, he owns a business. So you so got to hang I, out with I him talking. Him so you're, you're on the job with him. Yes, I was. It, it was a lot of hard work, you know, and a lot of hands-on learning, which isn't always given to you in a classroom. You know, it's a lot of academic stuff. So it was nice to kind of see what it's like to have more of a hand-on experience. So it was, it was different learning. I really enjoyed it. We'll hear from one more student later in the program. Well, if he hands in his assignment on time. The Advocate is 100% local, independent media, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes, brought to you by Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, they've got you covered. Find out more at wardlegal.ca. Now, one of the industries that was permitted to stay open, sort of, in the past few months were restaurants, but for takeout service only. Now, if you were already set up for takeout, well, that offered some relief, some. And then there were sit-down restaurants that had to adopt that takeout model fast and with challenges. The Cat and Fiddle in Lindsay made that adjustment twice, in fact. Lisa Miller is the popular owner of the cat, as it's known by her regulars, and she has many of them. Walk in any day of the week, and it'd be tough to find a customer who doesn't know or address her by name. She seems to be in constant motion. Behind the bar, the register may be spelling off one of her servers at a table. Always good-humored, a hair never out of place. If Lisa has a pedometer on her phone, it would probably read, Hey, time to sit down and, and take a breather for a few minutes. She did make time for us a few days ago to chat outside her eatery to discuss the recent effects of those challenges on her industry and, and how she's meeting them and what the cat and fiddle means to her. When it's a crazy busy night and everyone's running around and everything's crazy and I stop for a second and look out in the dining room and you see people cheersing, laughing, talking to each other, like they're happy. What's that like for you to see that? That's 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 the greatest accomplishment. The best is when someone comes up and shakes your hand at the end of the night and says, we had a great time tonight. You mentioned challenges and you mentioned shaking your hand. Those are two things that are such uh, part of the conversation now. Yes. So what, what has it been like for you to in the last few months to, to not have that a part of your regular life? That's been the saddest part, I think, of it. Not having the interaction with the staff, not being able to see the customers, not being able to talk to the customers because they're part of your family. So you know when John's been on vacation or Bob and Sue just had a kid and and all that type of, or they want to see the chef and he comes out. And I think right now, um, we can't think negative with the way this is happening. To me now, this is just like with doing the takeout, this is like opening a new restaurant. Again, is what I thrive on. I need that challenge to keep going. So turning a negative into a positive where you know now we're high-fiving each other because we did you know 
50 orders at lunch on takeout. Virtual high fives or real high fives? Virtual high fives. <laughs> there we go. There's part of our language. What was it like for you to, to have to, to adopt that and learn that and that whole curve? That was very challenging because the first week, it was actually the week of St. Patrick's Day. And I mean, it was out there what was going on, but it, it wasn't as real at that point. And then when we got put into the shutdown and then it was, okay, you can do takeout. So for the first couple of days, we just, you know, we set up a table by the back door and started doing it. It's like, we've got to set up a whole new program. Like we need to set up. So I closed. What was that decision like to have to close? That was very tough. It was very emotional. It was scary. We couldn't just put a table at the back door and order in a case of takeout containers. We had to redo the whole line on the kitchen, take all the plates away, set everything up with takeout containers. We had plexiglass installed. We had separate tables set up. We had pickup stations, drop-off stations. We just evolved into takeout and keeping the staff at distance, and it actually worked out pretty amazing. What was that of? What was that evolution like for you, for someone who's used to walking up and down those booths and, you know, high-fiving people, literally not virtually, and talking to them, and now you've got this whole new model? What was that evolution like for you? It, at the start, I'll be honest, it was actually depressing because I just felt like, like I was working in a factory. We were taking the orders, running in the kitchen, bringing it out. Nobody really wanted to talk or interact. When customers were coming in, they were expressing, you know, how bad they felt for us, and that was sad. The chef and I, we actually talked on a daily basis, trying to come up with new plans, what we should do, should we create a takeout menu, and we decided, no, people want our food, so we're going to make it adapt so that we can still sell all the same food that we have, not cut it down, and that took us a couple of weeks to get that organized. So then we decided June 2nd we were going to do our grand reopening. And What was that day like for you? It was amazing. Um, How do you feel now? I feel great now. Our first night back, the phone wouldn't stop ringing. I had to put a chair behind the bar to sit there to just be dedicated on the phones. And the customers, they were starting to open up more, talking more. And the support is unbelievable. Like, I can't believe how much money we're doing in takeout. Uh, I do want to go back to dine-in. Um, but we're consistently having orders. That's the thing about being in a small town. People support each other. Customers emailing on a regular basis, asking how I am. And I formed a real connection with some of the other restaurant owners that I never had before. What was that like? That was amazing. Because it was great to be able to lean on people that knew what you were talking about knew the challenges you had and just understood Murphy's Lockside in Fenland we've been great support for each other I mean we're even telling each other what our sales are and you don't do that in the restaurant business you're opening up like we're letting our guard down it's not about competition it's not about it's about survival how much of this do you think will carry over once this pandemic has subsided and eased the relationships with the yeah, like restaurant the, people? Yeah, like that, that, that new relationship. I think it's going to stay with it. The Olympia, Nikki, uh, she's been a great support factor for me. Louis at Panovino, the same. And again, we're, we're leaning on each other. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a job. 
I can't believe how great it is to be actually talking to other people that know the position that I'm in. So glad you've taken the time to stream or download us for free. Thanks to our sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. Jason and Chris Award and their team offer a wide range of legal services. Learn more at wardlegal.ca. And let us know what you think of the program by visiting the Advocate Podcast's dedicated page on our parent website, lindsayadvocate.ca. Well, we're coming to the end of our program with one last... I Hang on, I should... I should take this. Hello, Denis Grignon, podcast host and head of this one-time only virtual classroom of sorts. Sir, Mr. Grignon, I have that assignment you wanted. Ah, I knew you'd meet deadline, Hunter. Hunter Burrell is a grade 12 student at I.E. Weldon Secondary School. Okay, Hunter, let the class hear what you came up with. How do you feel about these past few months where school wasn't like any school you had attended before? It was jarring at first because I... Uh... Well, I mean, I don't pay particular much attention while I'm in class, so behind the computer screen was um, was a shift. I didn't have a whole lot of motivation to do schoolwork. I usually got the emails in the morning, did not check them till late at night, okay. <laughs> laid out my priorities, and then I, if I felt like doing it, I did. How did you deal with the distractions? Because, you know, working from home is, there's endless distractions. Oh, man, I am a dog with a squirrel most of the time. <laughs> I just, am, I, my mind always goes, so it's, that's why it was so hard for me to focus behind a computer screen, because it's like there were so many other things going around me that I just couldn't focus on, I don't know, the 18th century war or whatever. <laughs> This would have been the year when you had prom and graduation. What's it like yeah. to not have those? Graduation was um, pretty upsetting to hear about. Missing it, you mean? Yeah, that it has to be online. That uh, that was upsetting. I mean, everyone wants to walk down the stage in the gown and the hat, right? That's it's that's a dream. It may be hard to to answer this one. Okay. Were there any high points at all, Hunter, in, in all of this? Things that you came out of it going, well, you know what? That wasn't bad. So far, yeah. Because I've become a lot closer with people. How so? That's a little ironic when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're locked in your house for 24 hours a day, even though you're over the phone or like oh, we are or text message or whatever, the one thing you miss the most is communicating with people. I've started to do more stuff like video calls and stuff just to see people's faces, talking to people more than I would normally because I guess when you have something for so long and then you kind of take it for granted and then it being taken away kind of sucks. <laughs> Pretty confident that you'll graduate, though? Oh, oh yeah, I got that in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes, and I am not in the studio here alone. 
at our little home studio between Dunsford and Downeyville. I am joined by Nancy Payne. She is an associate editor with the Lindsay Advocate magazine and also a contributing producer to the podcast. You've certainly heard her voice on here before, and she's a voice that I hear regularly because, well, we live together. We are <laughs> husband and wife. And Nancy, uh, you were out of the house early this morning um, finding some stories in Kawartha Lakes from what you've told me. Right. Well, I'm working on research for a story for the Advocate magazine, and we were looking ahead to the July issue, and I proposed the idea of a staycation because I think a lot of us tell other people how great Kawartha Lakes is, but we maybe don't explore it as much ourselves, and I'm guilty of that too. So I thought, I'll do a story about Kawartha Lakes. And then I went, I think I'll maybe just do the north half of Kawartha Lakes. And then when I got to it, I thought, no, this northwest corner of Kawartha Lakes is kind of, it's different. So that's where I went today. And honestly, I was gone for almost eight hours. I had the best time. You know, we're not talking about all that far. I I was doing a lot of looping around and back roads, but I think you could get to a lot of places within a straight, less than an hour on a straight shot from Lindsay. Right. Sure. And it's not four lanes of traffic here either. This, it's a pretty nice drive. No, if that, anything, yeah. it's kind of the complete opposite yeah. of yeah. four lanes of traffic, which was great. If I'd had it on vacation in another province, I would have come home just as delighted as I am right now at the things I saw. So I can tell because you're smiling yeah. right now. Okay, well, well, you don't want to give away the store, as it were. So tease us a little bit what we might read in the feature article. Okay, I have to say one theme is definitely stone. Like when you get up into that sort of northwest corner, you realize there's the Cardin Plain, which a lot of us are familiar with, the famous birding area. And it was kind of cool. You drive the back roads there, you're always seeing birders with these giant zoom lenses. But honestly, like even I know that I'm somewhere different. Like the wildflowers are different. I've never seen them before. Um, It's just this really cool area. So that's basically one big limestone uh, bedrock with a little bit of soil on it but then um i don't have you ever heard of these dry stone fences on the north side of balsam lake no well i, I think i know what a dry stone fence is they're kind of cribbed and they're they're a fence no, made of no, stone they're not no? even cribbed they're stacked so oh. they're not like cribbed being when they're inside a mesh or something no the artistry is in stacking them so that they don't fall over Okay, artistry and fences. All right, I Absolutely. guess they can go together. Okay. Well, I know you're a fan of fences. but <laughs> Big time. Th- th- there's this road along the north side of Balsam Lake, and there's several kilometers of these beautiful dry stone fences. It's like being in rural England. Uh, another one, this might sound a little odd, but for years, my father, Philip, who knows all the farmland around here, has mentioned this fascinating barn up near Norland. I know, wait for it. Okay, why is it fascinating? I have to ask. What makes <laughs> well, one know, barn fascinating over another? You know how most barns around here, like the older barns, um, they're stone to a certain height, right? And then above that, it's wood. Mm-hmm. Well, this one is stone from the ground to the roof line. So that was cool. I checked that one off my list. And you can actually see this from the road? You can. The people are super nice. I just drove in and the woman said, oh, I'll be down in a minute. I went, oh, I'm not actually going to the pro shop. I just wanted to take a picture of the barn. And she was like, oh, that's cool. So we talked about it for a bit. So that's the stone theme from today. What else? Oh, hang on. I have something you'll be interested in. Just a sec here. Okay. I have some butter tarts and some fruit tarts, which I'm uh, uh, will maybe have later. But I wanted you to see. You had me at butter tarts, by the way. Right (laughs) here, I'll show you these. Okay, let me see what you got. Okay, this first time I'm seeing this, by the way. Okay, let's open this up. Whoa, that's olives. Isn't that olives? Yeah, but look at them. They're beautiful. I don't, but the smell too. Pick one up and and look at it. Okay, I'm picking it up. Yeah, 
they're stuffed with. Oh, right. Is that cheese? That one's blue cheese. And I think I got like red pepper and feta. Uh, and they come from this store. And this is one of those things where probably a lot of people up in that area would go, What's wrong with you? Everybody knows about this place. Now I can have this, right, while you're explaining yes, you this? May. Okay, let me go. Okay, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> but there is this beautiful, fascinating little store, and it's called Quaker Oaks. And this is one of their signature things is these stuffed olives, which are absolutely I'll delicious. I'll say, they're they great. Also, and I talked to the owner, Mark, and just the owners were fascinating. Honestly, I could have stayed there for hours. They were so generous and fun to talk to. Uh, but here's a bit of what uh, Mark had to say. Keep in mind, <laughs> they turned down the music, but he kind of said, yeah, we listen to a lot of Pink Floyd here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had me at olives and Pink, <laughs> and Floyd, Pink Floyd and butter tarts. It's been a, a journey when we started as a fairly quiet back road, but now it's a very busy road. It was a one-room store, then it became a two-room store. And then we built the third store for the vegetables, and our kitchens all expanded and became much more uh, professional and uh, to code and all that stuff. I love it. It's nice. I don't have to go to work. I fall out of bed, and my wife and I and my son are at work. And we live in a garden all year long. Uh, my wife and I are artists. We have a studio in the house. This COVID thing has given us practice on how not to work so hard. <laughs> I love that he's talking about rolling out of bed and being able to go to work. And he can even just hear it in his voice. Yeah, they just they have it figured out. They're doing what they love. And uh, that, that was just a really cool spot. Fascinating, funky little store, but uh, just really welcoming people. Like I say, you could have, you could chat to them honestly for for hours i'm guessing you're gonna end up back there <laughs> soon though <laughs> oh we'll get back there i'm sure well i know what's on my schedule in the next few weeks i want to meet mark at quaker oaks in the northern part of Kawartha lakes pink floyd music playing in the background whilst eating butter tarts cool right Look for Nancy Payne's feature article on staycations in Kawartha Lakes in the July edition of The Advocate magazine. It comes out, appropriately enough, Canada Day. Our theme music is written and performed by Kawartha Lakes' own Gerald Dan Halteran. The people who make The Advocate podcast stories from Kawartha Lakes possible and free? That's our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. Find them at wardlegal.ca. The Advocate podcast is produced by me, Denny Grignell. Walk through that door cautiously, safely, and two meters away from others. Or if you're old school, you know, before the internet and that whole virtual classroom thing, six feet works too. Talk to you in a couple of weeks.